Thank you, Sue. And welcome to our 10 o'clock service. Um, before we start the service formally, Peter's got a couple of notices he'd like to bring. And I have a notice. Has anyone come prepared to do the Bible reading? No. Would anyone like to do the Bible reading today? I'm looking at certain people who I know have got good voices. <laughs> that would be lovely. Thank you very much. So it is um, Romans 8, 35 to 39. Thank you, Peter. I won't ask if you'd like, ask if you'd like to preach as well, whoever's offered, but so... <laughs> Okay, um, just a couple of things. Um, Lent is obviously, we've, we've started Lent, so if you would like to use the Lent prayer guide that has uh, been photocopied, it looks like that, uh, and it's, it's literally got a little prompt for each day of Lent, so uh, just to, to sort of prompt a prayer, and um, they're not numbered, so it, they might, if you're using it, it might be just best to sort of tick, tick them off as you go through them, just so you know where you've got to on it, but it's just there for you to use. There's a couple of bigger versions as well, uh, if that's helpful. Um, some sad news to uh, let you know about. Um, Helen Porter, um, some of you may know Helen. Um, she used to sit about where uh, Hillary and Malcolm are there, um, uh, has died. She died yesterday quite suddenly. Um, uh, if, you'll know, if you know Helen, um, uh, she suffered from Parkinson's for quite a long time. Um, and so uh, she'd uh, had that for quite a long time. She, she was suffering apparently, I didn't know this, uh, but the home group have been keeping in touch with her quite well uh, and supporting her. But um, she died, as I say, yesterday. Uh, her family spread around the country, um, not local apparently, but um, and so they will be uh, in shock particularly. So let's, let's pray for Helen's family now, shall we? Father, we lift Helen's family to you as they uh, hear this news of, of her passing. Uh, we thank you for Helen. We thank you for her steadfast trust in you, her steadfast faith in you. And Lord, we know uh, that she is now with you and that she is in glory. And so we thank you, Lord, uh, that she's now with you. And we, we, we pray for her family as they uh, are, are hearing this news and uh, digesting this news. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would comfort them and bring them peace. And we thank you for her home group, as they, they have supported her in the last uh, few weeks and months particularly. Uh, so thank you for, uh, for thank you for that, and we pray for her family now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. So shall we stand together, if you're able, and sing our first song, O oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder
you okay to come up? <laughs> so Martin, as you may have heard, Martin and Susie are off to Kenya again. So they're coming up to just share a little bit about what they're doing. And then those who would like to will be very welcome to come and pray for them. Thank you. Well, good morning, everybody. We've got a lot of packing to do today and tomorrow. But we are going to Kenya again on Tuesday. As you know, we've been going there for a very long time. Martin, about 30 years, and I've been going for the last 23 years. And we're looking very much forward to being back with our friends again. Yes, we'll be there for well, four weeks in total, three weeks of working together with them. And our friends in Reach the Unreached in Kenya are well, really, when we were last there, they felt the whole ministry had been reborn. And so there are lots of new things happening. There are, there's a new leadership team being put together and trained up. There's a new evangelistic thrust to unreached tribes in Kenya. There's uh, a new training center being started and new teams being established to go out to take training that we taught them around the country. So a lot that's happening, and as we go out to meet with the, the different groups of people that will be involved in these new things, the new leadership team, the new trainers, and then as well a wider leadership team, we're really looking forward to encouraging them in, in what God is doing amongst them and helping them to, with any sort of training that they might need or equipping um, as they, they seek to go forward. So we're not going with a big agenda of this is what we are coming to do. It's going out to say, what, what would, do you need us to do? And then helping them with that. So if you would like to be praying for us, think of three words, come let's pray, and use the first letter of each of those words. C is for communications. There's always a challenge with communications. Everywhere we go, whatever we do every day. And we've discovered over the years it's an even bigger challenge in Kenya than it is here, if you can imagine such a thing. It's true. So communications between us and the pastors, between the pastors and themselves, and whatever else is going on in the communities that they've left behind. There are invariably distractions. So please pray for good, clear communications. Next, I'd like you to be praying for the, what did I say it was? Come, Come let's, let's pray. pray. Logistics. Logistics. We all have logistics every day, but sometimes they can be disrupted or interrupted or fall apart. So if you could pray for our logistics and all the pastors' logistics and the communities that are sending them out, logistics, really important. Things like travelling, telephone calls, paying for your dinner, whatever it is, that would be great. So, communications, logistics and presence. I'm not talking about presents as in Christmas presents. I'm talking about presence. That each one of us would presence ourselves with the others in the presence of the Holy Spirit and obviously the Father and the Son as well. We need presence when we're together, don't we? We need to be communicating well, hearing one another well, and paying attention to what God is saying. So I want to thank you again. We want to thank you for your prayers for us. You make the difference in our everyday when we're out in Kenya. And thank you so much for praying for us today as well. 
So, well, would people who would like to pray particularly for Martin and Susie like to come up and, and we'll gather around? Is this, is it on? Yeah. Father, we thank you for the privilege we have in sending these two faithful servants off to Kenya to serve you there with the pastors. Father, we pray for the things that Susie asked us to pray for, for good communication, for the logistics, and for all the other needs that they might have as they do this journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I want to thank you for all the preparations that have already been made, particularly thinking of all those materials that Martin has spent a lot of time putting energy into to take with them. We pray that they will be used and be a blessing uh, to these Kenyan pastors. Father, I thank you for Martin and Susie's willingness to continue to go to Kenya. Thank you for all the preparations that they have made. And Father, that this is a change of their ministry, but we know that you will go ahead of them, before them, into that situation, and we pray a blessing on them. Father, I pray there'll be no miscommunication, no language difficulties. We pray for them as they travel on Tuesday, Heavenly Father, that that will be uh, good transfers and good travel and no uh, delays and no difficulties in getting uh, to where they're supposed to be going. Father, bless them, we pray, and we ask that you will encourage them in all that they say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, we pray for these, the unknowns uh, that uh, they can't plan for. And uh, Lord, they will have planned a lot, but we pray for those things that they can't know about, whether that's weather or travel. Or, or things that they just can't uh, predict. And Lord, we know that you are God of everything and you are everywhere and we pray that your presence is, they've asked that uh, your presence would go with them and that uh, you would help them to uh, see where you are at work and to join in with you being at work in that place. Bless them, we pray in Jesus' name. And so, Father, we gather all the prayers, both silent and spoken, that have been said for Martin and Susie and over Martin and Susie. And we ask for your blessing on them, your blessing on their ministry, your blessing on them as individuals and as a couple. Lord, may they truly know your presence with them. Amen. As I, <coughs> sorry, as I lead us in this prayer, 
May I suggest that we use our hands? So, a palm and a finger to write with on your palm. And may I suggest, if you would like to, that as I pray, you write your initials on your palm. So let's pray together. When we put our trust in Jesus, we become children of God. Father, we know we are children who are dearly loved by you. Hear these words which he says to us. You are my son, my daughter, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. You are my son, my daughter, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Thank you, Lord, for those promises to each one of us. That we are your son or your daughter. And you are pleased with us and love us. Amen. We're going to have a, a video song now. It's, um, it is a children's song, but... Probably most of you will recognize it. Uh, Ian, thank you. You could either stay seated or you might like to stand and do some actions. <laughs> and if anyone would like to come to the front and do the actions, that would be wonderful. <laughs> thank you, Ian.
morning's aerobics done. And it's remembering that God is with us and he loves us and he is well pleased with us that we move on to our time of confession. And maybe as a way of remembering that it's through the cross that our sins are forgiven, maybe you'd like to use your palm and finger again. And as we enter into a confession, just scribe the shape of a cross on your palm. Jesus says, if you are tired from carrying heavy burdens, come to me and I will give you rest. So we bring all that we are, all our sins, all our failure to love. Thank you that Christ died for us so that we might be forgiven and start a new life in the power of your Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to leave a few moments of silence for folk to maybe confess before God those things that are burdening them. So may the God of all mercy bring you back to himself, forgive you your sins, and assure us of your eternal love in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Uh, Can we have our reading now? Thank you. Today's reading is taken from Romans 8, verses 35 to 39, from page 1135 in the Church Bible. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
Good morning again. Well, today is the first Sunday in Lent, and so we're starting a new sermon series that will take us all the way through to Easter. And uh, it's called The Confidence Devotional Journey. And uh, as I said in my email that was sent out in the week to you all, uh, we're going to be looking at different ways that our confidence in the gospel can grow and strengthen uh, and help us on our front lines. Those are the places where we encounter people each week who don't yet know Jesus Christ for themselves. So in this series, uh, over the six uh, Sundays, we're going to look at six ways that our confidence in Jesus can grow uh, and, and know more deeply and more powerfully that God is with us wherever we go. And whatever we're doing in our day-to-day lives, whether it's Kenya, whether it's Shrewsbury, whether it's London, wherever it is we are in our day-to-day lives, and we're going to think about how our confidence in our faith in God grows when, and the six titles will come up, um, maybe slightly on the small side, but hopefully you can see them, I'll, I'll tell you what they are. But so, over the six Sundays, we're going to look at we are, how we can be more convinced in our faith uh, when we have the support of an encouraging church community, uh, when we are driven by compassion, when we have consistent patterns for spiritual formation, when we feel competent, competent and know that God is with us, and we find resolute courage despite our nervousness. Uh, L-I-C-C, like the word C, words beginning with C by the sounds of it. So, uh, convinced, community, compassion, consistent, competent, and courage. And the confidence we're thinking about isn't, uh, it's never just self-confidence. Uh, Mark Green, who's one of the leaders of uh, LICC, which is the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity, uh, he says this, confidence is drawn from many a well, but they all have their source in Christ. So today we're going to begin our series and we're going to look at this amazing passage that Trish just read to us from Roma, uh, Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 35 to 39. Uh, if you haven't got it open in front of you, please do. I'm not sure the page number in, in the... In the um, church Bibles, but uh, it'll be on the screen as well uh, if you would like to refer to it on the screen. So Romans 8, 35 to 39, I'm going to reread it as well um, to you. So Paul, St. Paul writes, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, We will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so this first talk is called Confidence Through Being Convinced. Confidence Through Being Convinced. And what what an amazing place, what better place to start than Romans chapter 8. These words of Paul are joyous and full of hope, aren't they? Who shall separate us from the love of God? And so as Christians, we can stand tall and say with a a loud voice that nothing, nothing in all creation 
will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Nothing. Not trouble or hardship or poverty or danger or famine or death itself. Nothing in all creation will will be able to sever, uh, separate us, stop our relationship with God in Christ. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Romans chapter 8 is, is probably for many Christians around the world one of the most precious parts of the whole of the Bible. There are so many deep and wonderful truths in this chapter in Scripture. It's very difficult to know where to start. But Paul the Apostle wants us to grasp hold of these deep truths in our walk with Jesus, in our walk with Christ day by day. For example, the very verse, uh, the first verse of chapter 8 Uh, says, you'll know these uh, amazing words, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Wow. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are forgiven by God. We stand innocent in his sight. Or verse 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. It's amazing, isn't it? When we say yes to Jesus, when we say yes to, uh, to Christ, we become children of God. We become heirs of his promise. And then, of course, one of my all-time favorite scriptures is in our reading. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. When we put our trust in Christ, when we put our faith, our whole faith and trust in Christ, we are overcomers of all that comes against us in our lives day by day. We are overcomers because God has overcome everything for us. And because God rules over everything, we are overcomers through him. And so I'm going to read these words again of hope. Hold on to them. Let these words fill you with the love of God. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Or to put it another way, God promises to go with us and encourage us through his word and encourage us through those who are around us our loved ones, our friends, uh, those who are in our home group, those that we uh, are amongst our church. And by sending the Holy Spirit to minister to us in our day-by-day lives so that we receive strength and comfort and hope. And God's grace is a sure footing in our lives day-by-day, isn't it? Regardless of what happens, his grace is sufficient for us. And so surrounded by that strength of love, we can look forward to the future with hope. And no matter what tomorrow brings, we have hope because God is with us in it so we can lean on him and build our lives upon him and rest in him. And yet we suffer too, don't we, in this life. There is suffering that comes in this life. And you, maybe, we may be, Amongst us, there may be suffering of all sorts going on in our fellowship. Suffering of of, of physical or mental or emotional pain. 
we may be suffering because a loved one has, 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 been, has died that we've lost. Uh, we may be suffering because the business is going downhill. We may be suffering because we're out of work. We may be suffering because we can't make ends meet in this cost of living crisis we're going through. We may be suffering because we don't know where the next meal is coming from. We don't know many, many, many ways in which we suffer in our lives day by day. We may be suffering because somebody has said something to us that has hurt us deeply. We may be suffering because our children have disappointed us. Or maybe our marriage is shaky. Or maybe our neighbours are antagonistic towards us. And so there is suffering in this world, isn't there? And we groan under the weight of that suffering sometimes. Paul mentions groaning quite a few times in chapter 8. It's that deep longing for something better. That sorrow over the pain of our circumstances. And it's true, isn't it? There's, there's a lot of groaning going on in the world at the moment, isn't there? And it all comes, of course, as a result of Adam's sin. And you think when God saves the world, he's going to save us from that suffering of, and the groans of suffering. Of course he is. He will do completely in, in, in his time. There will be complete saving, salvation. And yet in this life there is suffering. But in the glorious future that's to come, there will be no suffering because he will turn our groaning into glory. And so to know that can help us to live triumphantly in, the sp in spite of our suffering. And yet what happens when we go out into our front lines in the world day by day? You'll probably get uh, a little bit uh, agitated by hearing that word again and again in the next few weeks. But simply those front lines are simply, simply those places you go to in the week where you are with people who don't yet know who Jesus is. It might be a workplace, it might be a club. Uh, it might be a, a, a place you volunteer in in the week. But there will be a, a, a place and a time each week where you are mixing with those who aren't yet Christians. And the point is this. When you're in this place on a Sunday morning, it is easier to praise God. Of course it is. That's why we're here. We are here to praise God. And so it's easier to praise God when you are surrounded by like-minded believers. It's easier to do that. But when you go out of your door on a Monday morning and you go to somewhere where you're not surrounded by Christians, that's the more difficult place to stand out as a Christian and stand up for Christ and be confident in your faith in Christ. So we need to be growing in our confidence in our faith in God. And the very first thing we need is to be growing in our conviction that God is with us wherever we go. So, three reasons I want to bring to you from this passage of, of Scripture as to why we can be convinced of that truth, that God is with us wherever we go. Three things. Here we go. So God is for us. We're going to go back to verses 31 and 32 to see that. God is for us. Secondly, Christ intercedes for us. That's verses 33 and 34. And thirdly, our victory comes through the suffering. 35 to 37. So God is for us. Verses 31 and 32. If you've got your Bible open, just refer to those verses with me. Paul says, So what then? 
shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So Paul being Paul, he's, he's referring back to what he's just said in, uh, in the first part of chapter 8. In fact, he's referring back a long way back in his letters to the Romans. He's kind of, he's doing what Paul does, he's kind of summarizing and he's moving the argument on then. What then shall we say in response to these things that Paul has been talking about uh, in chapter 8 and previous chapters, which we haven't got time to go into, but it's an amazing, amazing book. Do read it, Romans. Wonderful stuff. But this is a powerful truth, that God is for us. Who can be against us if God is for us? Who can be against us? God is for us. He's not against us. Think about it for a moment. In in many world religions of faith, either God is unknowable or is not bothered by what is going on amongst human beings. And in such religions, God with a small g, not the, not the capital G, of course, a, a, a small g God is distant and uninterested in the desperate state of humanity, in the desperate state of this world. They, you know, those gods are not interested because they are removed from our day-to-day lives. They're not bothered about what's going on in our day-to-day lives. Well, why should they? Because they are a small g God. But the God of Scripture is Different because God in Jesus Christ, as revealed by scriptures, is by the scripture is both sovereign, in other words, majestic over all things, and yet also with us in all things. Intimately interested in you and I. You want the full theological terminology for what I'm talking about? God is omnipotent, God is all powerful. God is omnipresent, He is all present, He's where wherever we are. You can't escape God. He is omnipresent. And and thirdly, God is omnipotent. In other words, he knows everything. Sorry, omniscient. Getting mixed up. Omnipotent, all-powerful. Omnipresent everywhere and omniscient, all-knowing. And even more than that, God knows us and yet still God loves us. Jesus is for us. He's not against us. That's the essence of the gospel. If you want to explain the gospel to someone who doesn't know what the gospel is, say to them, God is for you. Four words. That is the essence of the gospel. God is for us. God is for you. That is what the gospel is about. That God is for us. And that's why Paul goes on to say, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Because God is for us, that's why. Uh, do you remember the blessing song that came out in the pandemic? Uh, I think it's, uh, it was towards the end of the first lockdown, I think. Um, and uh, it, it, the song has become so popular. You've got the UK blessing, you've got the world blessing, you've got the Irish blessing, you've got uh, all sorts of other blessing versions of the, the same song. It's an amazing song. An anointed song, I believe. And I, I remember clearly the first time I heard it, um, I think it was towards the end of the first lockdown, as I said. And, uh, you know, we are all feeling a bit low and a bit sort of despondent, where we were separated from each other and not allowed to meet, etc., etc. And then I heard this song. And it was played on, I think, via YouTube, I think it was. And there's a line in that song that repeats, repeats and repeats, He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. And as that line 
played. I, I remember literally crying because I thought, wow, that's so true. That it feels like God is against us at this point. But no, it's, it's the opposite. God is for us. He's with us. That truth was being shared so powerfully. And that truth, I, I hope that song was heard by many non-Christians, that God is for you. He is with you in the suffering. And that's a very moving, moving moment. When people who are not yet Christians hear that truth, that's a very moving moment because suddenly they hear this truth. Actually, God isn't against me. He is for me. And maybe they're sort of thinking, well, God is against me because of an illness or redundancy or some other problem that's coming against them. But here we have this simple, profound truth. If God is for us, who can be against us? So let that truth sink into your heart and into your soul right now. He is for you, not against you. Secondly, Christ intercedes for us. So God is for us. He's on our side. He's, he, he, not only that, he intercedes for us. Paul, gone, Paul goes on to say, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Have you ever considered that? God himself, as it were, is praying for you. Jesus who died, who was raised to life for us, is now at the right hand side of the Almighty and he offers prayers for us. One commentator put it like this. This chain of statements was hammered out on the anvil of God's providence. I really like that. It's, it's, it was worked out on the anvil of God's providence. It's not a, an easy thing. This was hammered out by God in the life of Jesus and in the death and his resurrection. And so we can get to that point, can't we, of, oh, I'm worried about how I've been with someone this week. I'm worried about how I've done something this week. I'm, I'm worried about how I was in that situation. And so, of course, we confess to God, don't we? We say to God, I'm sorry. And we ask God to, to forgive us. And we know that as we are confessing, there is forgiveness for us. It's, it's, it's not like, it's not, maybe not the, the best analogy, but it's as if when we are saying sorry to God, Jesus passes to God a sticky note. A sticky note attached saying, it's already paid for. It's covered by my previous payment. It's a liberating thought, isn't it? No matter what Satan accuses you of, whatever Satan accuses me of, Jesus has covered it already. Whatever Satan comes at you with, Jesus has covered it already. Because Jesus is the one who will judge, not Satan. So if Jesus has justified us, and Jesus is pleading our case before God, he's not going to condemn us. The opposite. He's praying for us. He is asking the Father to give us strength in our time of need. Pleading our cause. And we know he's for us. And thirdly, our victory comes through the suffering. Verses 35 to 37. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? 
No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What, help, what helps us to conquer sin and death? Is it our own efforts? No. It's God who brings the victory. It's God who brings about the victory in us because of what he's done. God has done everything to make us right with him. He has brought us to the point where nothing can overcome us. Christ has won the victory and then handed the prize to us, to you, to me. I love watching the Olympic Games. I love watching the Commonwealth Games. They're just, I, I, it's fascinating. Uh, I love watching all the different sports. One of the, one of the sports I like watching is the team pursuit in cycling. Have you ever seen this, this in a velodrome? They kind of go round and round this velodrome in, in, in the team pursuit. Um, but the way it works is there's two teams who are competing against each other. And they're riding, as it were, in concert. And, and the teams work, have worked it out. So they, they know that they need someone at the head of their little team. They need a, a leader to lead them around this, this, this track that goes around and around and around. And so they have a leader and they take them around and the, the team follow them around. And at certain points, the team, then the leader then changes and goes to the back of the pack. So the next one takes it on and the next one takes them around and around and around. Because they know that they can't keep that pace up, so they, they therefore need to keep changing who's leading them at the front. But the fact is, someone, if they go to the back, sometimes they even drop out. But the fact is, if they've dropped out, it doesn't affect the team because the team is still going around the track. And what matters is, is, where the, is the fact that the team finishes. If, even if one of the riders has dropped out, the lead rider, if the lead rider crosses first, that team has won. And they get the gold. That's what they're aiming at, is to get that team across the line first. That's a little bit like what Paul is describing in verse 37. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. How are we conquerors? We are conquerors through Christ. He has won the victory, and we are, as it were, brought along in his wake. We're brought along behind him to share the glory with him. In fact, in the Greek says it's, and, and it's translated more than just conquerors. It's, it, the, 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 you can't express it. The, it's as if Paul is kind of struggling to express what he's trying to say. We are more than conquerors through Christ who has won the victory for us. The victory means it's more than we can ever imagine. His love is so great that nothing can separate us from it. Come what may, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And that's why he says he's convinced, he's convinced that nothing can take, take away from him what he has in Christ. Nothing can wrench it away what he has in God. And the same can be true for you and me. So as you go out into your front line this week, as you go out to wherever God is calling you to go this week, be encouraged. He is for you. He's lifting you before the Father in prayer. He's, he is with you and he intercedes for you and the victory is won in the suffering of everyday life. Now, I'd imagine everybody here today knows, has, has glimpsed this before, but if this is new to you, then 
rest in this a little while and, and try and hear what God is saying to you. And he will meet you at your deepest need. This is the promise of God that he makes to us in his word. Who can separate us from the love of God? Nothing in all creation. That is why we worship God in our day-by-day lives. And we praise God for the victory, which is ours in Christ Jesus, as we encourage each other with these words of good news. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we love these words, we love your scripture, we love what you are saying to us through these words, and we pray that they wouldn't just be words on the page, but they would be your very spirit speaking to us, convincing us of the truth that nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. And so, Lord, would you equip us and empower us as we go out this week to serve you where you call us to be. As we are called to serve you by proclaiming your name, by living your truth out in our lives. And explaining to others, God is for you. Thank you, Lord, for the glorious gospel of grace that you call us to be ministers of. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Peter. As a a continuing response, um, we're going to sing, I will offer up my life in spirit and truth. May I suggest that we stay seated for this and sing it as a prayer. Thank you, Sue.
and let, <coughs> let's continue in prayer as we come to our intercessions. When I say the words, gracious God, could you please respond, hear our prayer. Gracious God, hear our So let us pray. We remember creation, breathed into life by God's Holy Spirit. Places of beauty and brilliance, of grandeur and spectacle, of diversity. But we pray, Creator God, for places which are damaged and degraded, for people scraping a living from land made fruitless by human greed. Help us to live sparingly and to care for creation. Gracious God, hear our prayer. We remember humanity breathed into life by God's Holy Spirit, people of beauty and brilliance, people of gifts and grace, people of diversity. But we pray, healing God, for people whose lives are diminished because of illness or illness within the family. For people facing stigma caused by misunderstanding. And for people struggling to find help when they need it. Gracious God, hear our prayer. We remember the church, breathed into life by God's Holy Spirit, a community of beauty and brilliance, a community of love and compassion, a diverse community. We pray, inspiring God, for denominations working out how to be one family, how to offer an effective witness to your love in the world. For churches with projects that offer help to others in need. Help us to be willing to change ourselves and thus inspired to change the world. Gracious God, hear our prayer. In the name of Christ, amen. And we're going to join together in the creed. Would you like to stand if you're able and we'll say the shortened version of the creed together? Do you believe and trust in God the Father, source of all being and life, the one for whom we exist? We believe and Do you believe and trust in God the Son, who took our human nature, died for us and rose again? We believe and trust in him. Do you believe and trust in God the Holy Spirit, who gives life to the people of God and makes Christ known in the world? We believe and trust in him. This is the faith of the church. This is our faith. We believe and trust in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We are called to be a people of peace. 
The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let's offer one another a sign of peace, um, just being mindful that there might be those who don't want to get too close. <laughs> okay.
So like you, we've been doing about nothing can separate us from God's love. So we were talking about how we, if we put soap with water and oil, it mixes everything together and how there's no situation that we can be separated. And then we did some sponge printing and um, we put the verse that nothing can separate us from God's love. And they put them in little envelopes to give to anyone that they chose. And... Um, Carson wrote God is love on his, which is really beautiful and powerful. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Rachel. And thank you, children, as well, for all your hard work this morning. So now we're going to sing our final song. Would you like to stand if you're able and sing, Come People of the Risen King?
reminder of the Lent prayer guide that Peter referred to earlier and the um, Martin and Susie suggestion that we use the words come let us pray as we think and pray for them whilst they're in Kenya. Have I got that right? Yes, thank you. And so to close our service, a blessing. May you know the warmth of God's loving embrace. May you know the joy of God's ever-presence. May you know the peace of God's gentle whisper. May you know the strength of God's spirit within you this day and always throughout your life. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve our risen Lord. Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.